0: Hi there, Dr. Colleen Mullen here to present you this week's edition of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, bringing you what you need to succeed. I bring you interviews each week with guest experts who will inspire, motivate, and empower you. New episodes are launched every Tuesday with an article to go along with it on my blog at coachingthroughchaos.com. You know, we can be found now on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course on coachingthroughchaos.com slash podcast. We are also an official Bloomberg Radio Price of Business Show podcast, so you may be tuning in after hearing about us on Kevin Price's Price of Business Show in Houston. Glad to have you with me. I'm thrilled to say that we're holding steady on the new and noteworthy pages of iTunes. In fact, today we are number two in the social sciences page. Wherever you find us, I hope that if you like what I'm doing here, that you'll share it with your friends. My goal here is to empower you through information. This way, when you're spurred to action, you'll have some resources to turn to. And I wanna share that information with as many people as possible. I'll also remind you that it's important in order for the show to survive, that you give us some positive ratings on whichever site you're listening from. That helps us stay on those front pages of the sites. And of course, it makes me feel good to see your positive reviews. Thanks so much for those that are doing that. What do we cover here? Well, all sorts of topics, You're going to find episodes on relationships, finances, addictions, achievement, personal strength, invention and entrepreneurship, health and wellness, and so much more. And once a month, I plan to feature a resource, either a program or an opportunity for our veteran population. Last week, I mentioned having difficulty with this and offered to share some resources if I didn't actually get a company to interview. Well, when it rains, it pours, and I now have a few months of upcoming veteran organizations to feature. Some great organizations are coming up, some are working just to serve our veterans, and some are vet-owned and only employ veterans, and you'll understand why they do that when we get to them. Such great organizations doing great work. In the meantime, if you know of someone who works for a great veteran-serving organization, please drop me a line at drmullen at coachingthroughchaos.com with a link to the organization's website so I can reach out to them personally. We're in the middle of our third month of podcasting here, and I'm thankful to say that we have more than doubled our listeners from month one to month two. So thanks so much for that. I have a special thank you gift for you for listening. If you go to my website and sign up for the mailing list at coachingthroughchaoscom podcast, I'll send you a free downloadable copy of my ebook, Five Ways. It's 100 tips for living a happier, healthier life. This is a book of 20 different lists of five ways each to improve various aspects of your life. I give you actionable tips on getting the job you want, how to quit smoking, how to improve your relationship, time management, how to have better sex, and so much more. It's so worth grabbing the free copy. I wrote it after compiling these lists for many years and seeing what works most efficiently with my clients. I hope you find it helpful, and again, feel free to share it with anyone you think may benefit from it. If you sign up for the mailing list, know that I'll never share your email address with anyone, nor will I spam you. Feel free to share any information you receive through the mailing list with your friends and family. I always appreciate your support. Okay, so let's get into today's show. Today we're talking about resolving conflict. We're going to cover this topic in many ways over the course of this show as there's so many great tools and theories out there on the subject. And it's so important. I mean, who hasn't had a conflict with someone or a conflict at your workplace where you really didn't know how to resolve it? And resolving conflict in the workplace is even a money saver for you business owners out there. It's thought that 25% of people with a conflict of work have taken time off of work, you know, called in sick in order to avoid that conflict. That adds up quickly. My guest today helps both corporate organizations and individuals learn to resolve conflict and get back to life as normal as soon as possible. He is a former lawyer who found out early on in his career that he was better at resolving conflict than fighting for his position. He then left the law field to teach people about conflict resolution full-time. His first book, Getting to Resolution, came out about 17 years ago, and a second edition was released just a few years ago. My guest today is author and expert Stuart Levine of ResolutionWorks.com. Stuart teaches people to create partnership and quickly resolve problems in the face of conflict. He will tell us about resolving conflict through collaboration. I know if you've ever tried to help someone resolve a conflict, you will appreciate his approach. I know I did. Please welcome expert and author Stuart Levine. Stuart, you've got a great story about how you figured out you were gifted at conflict resolution early in your legal career. Can you share that story with us?
1: Sure, Colleen. Um, As a second-year law student, kind of working in a clinical program as part of my law school education, I was given 25 cases working for, uh, actually it was Camden, New Jersey Legal Services, who provided legal services for poor people. They gave me 25 cases, and they said, here you go, Stuart. This ought to keep you busy for the next four months. It was a semester's work. And at at the end of that time, I went back to the head of the program. Well, not at the end of that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) After three weeks, I went to the head of the program, and I said, I remember his name. I said, Fred, I need some more cases. And he kind of looked at me like, what did you do with all the cases we gave you? And I said, well, I've resolved them all. Said, you did? How did you do that? I said, well, I read through the files and I got a sense of what might be a fair resolution for both sides, and everybody said yes. Now, I didn't know that I was supposed to be an advocate for one side. I thought that my job was to be a problem solver. And the rest of the story goes, I spent the next 10 years learning how to be an advocate for one side and getting very, very good at it, and then feeling that I couldn't continue trying and litigating cases anymore because it was just so incongruent with who I was and the perspective that I was born with.
0: Yeah, if you're going to be a lawyer, you have to know which side of the fence you're standing on. Now, the books that you've written are they just for people dealing with the legal system, or can anybody benefit from your books?
1: Most definitely not. They're actually for everybody in conflict of any kind. Uh, much more of my work today is about organizations and people in conflict far away from the legal system. Because you know, my whole thinking in this area is I'd much rather teach people how to fish than to give them a fish every time they get hungry. It's about giving people skills and tools that they can use to resolve conflict in most any context.
0: Great. And so now you spend your time focusing strictly on conflict resolution and teaching people how to do that through the model that you developed. Is that
1: right? Yeah. And actually, there's been a bit of a shift over time. I don't focus on the conflict part so much as I focus on the collaboration part. In a way, when I created a subtitle for my first book, 17, 18 years ago which was, uh, and the second edition came out about three or four years ago. The subtitle is Turning Conflict into Collaboration and where I focus now, because it's become in many ways such a big buzzword, especially in the, in the corporate and organizational world, collaboration is a critical skill. In order to be able to collaborate effectively, you have to move through the inevitable conflicts that are going to come up. So collaboration is the essential intervention and education that I provide for organizations because that's where we want to get people back to that place of collaboration, back to that place of human alignment, back to that place where people are are working at the business that they want to work at, whatever that happens to be not be mired down in conflict and fighting with other people.
0: Right. Sure, it'll help everything, including the business, continue on more efficiently as well if they have people working in collaboration. Your model of conflict resolution appears to focus on a shift in thinking, mindset, and perspective. Can you talk a bit about that?
1: Most of us are encultured, learned, and influenced by what we see in media. And, you know, the media loves a good argument. Yes. A wonderful term that I think aptly describes it was coined by a colleague and friend who said that we live in a media culture of argument. Argutainment.
0: That's an interesting one. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's always about one side versus the other. It's all about opposition. It's all about creating that kind of drama. Where's the conversation for resolution? Where's the conversation that helps people understand each other as opposed to the diatribe that goes on in media presentations? Just to elaborate on that, I was actually interviewed a number of years ago by the trade publication for screenwriters and the question that they were talking to me about was whether or not you can have an effective screenplay where you don't have bombastic conflict where you create uh, drama inherent in whatever problem is going on, but you resolve it without the resort to violence or battle.
0: So they were asking it, would people watch something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Or to be more succinct, can you have drama and resolution without having combat? And the answer is, of course you can. Of course you can, yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Right, and so when you talk about resolution... Is that more about the collaboration you're talking about? Because it's not about one side winning or losing, as it may have been back in the days of of your legal career. How do you frame what resolution is to people when you go in to teach them about it?
1: Yeah. So the mindset that people come into this with is right, wrong, win, lose, fault, and blame. It's the way most people learn and are in culture. Those words are embedded in people. And when I talk about resolution, you know, essentially to define it in a, in a technical way, it's there is no chatter, meaning you're no longer thinking about the situation because it's resolved, it's gone, it's cleansed. In the medical world, when a disease process is resolved, it's gone and there are no scars. Mm-hmm. In our, quote, legal process of resolving conflict, there are tons of scars because what's not healed Is the emotional pain. And what I try to do, the aspiration I have, is that people will be resolved and have an agreement. And that agreement represents both a meeting of minds, which is a term from the legal world, and also a meeting of hearts. So their human energy is aligned again and they're back in action as if the conflict was never present. It's a
0: really nice, mindful perspective that you've got. And now that we know what resolution is, In your book, Getting to Resolution, you have the 10 Principles for Resolutionary Thinking and the 7-Step Guide for Crafting a Resolution. Can you explain the basics of the model? You know, do people follow it step by step? What should they expect when they go through the 10 Principles and the 7 Steps?
1: If you look at the model, the overall model of resolution, there are really only three action steps. The rest of them are touchstones. So let me talk about the touchstones first, and, and the first one that comes up as a, as a critical one is what I call resolutionary thinking or the attitude of resolution, and that's the mindset. Think abundance. In other words, it's not you or them, it's you and them. Think of full disclosure, getting everything out on the table, You know, leaving nothing left unsaid and not trying to hide anything. Seeing the process is one of teaching and learning, teaching and learning, teaching and learning.
0: Do you find that people are open to that once you start talking to them about what the purpose of it is? Do you think that they're more easily able to open up and do the full disclosure?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) Okay. And in some sense, if you don't want to do that, I'm sorry, I don't want to play with you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) In in many ways, it's, it's, you know, it's that simple. And other people won't want to play with you either. It's the emotionally intelligent thing to do if you want to continue to work with people. The only place that there's real resistance is in context of a transactional situation where it's kind of a one-shot deal as opposed to a relational situation that extends over time. One of my writing partners, the guy that I wrote Collaboration 2.0 with, he shared that his wife always said to him, David, do you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I think I've heard that before. You have to think about what the purpose of the interaction is.
1: So the mindset of one of responsibility, conflict as opposed to differences. Differences turn into conflict when we get emotionally attached. Okay? Yes. And so conflict lives inside of people as an emotional presence. It's not so much an argument about who gets the corner office, but someone's own belief system that they won't shift. Given the truth of that, you can't give conflict away for somebody else to resolve. You have to engage yourself. So taking responsibility is one of the principles of resolutionary thinking. I think that that should provide you know, enough of a flavor for the, for the shift and mindset that needs to take place. now. Looking at the seven-step model, like so many other phenomenon, it's cyclical. You're in a place of resolution and agreement today, but tomorrow something happens. So this is an ongoing process of human interaction, especially human interaction when people are working together. So up there at about noon or 12 o'clock, you've got resolution. Everything is all in alignment. If you move over to about one thirty, conflict occurs. And conflict occurs for any number of different reasons, very often because of the essential human differences. It comes from different perspectives. It comes from different communication styles. It comes from different perceptions, different meaning. And those things just show up when people are trying to work together. So conflict happens when people are trying to work together or have a marriage together. Attitude of resolution or resolutionary thinking That's at about 3 o'clock. That's the mindset you bring into the process. About 4.30, we have telling of stories, and that's kind of the first what I'll call engagement phase, where people are actually going through an interactive conversational process. They're each telling their stories, and I don't mean story as a pejorative, but I mean story as the way people talk to themselves about the situation. So getting that up and out provides a level of purging, provides a level of, let's see what this looks like in in the light as opposed to in my mind. Yes. And it's often different when people are in conversation. The next point at about 6 o'clock is like a touchstone and it is what I call preliminary vision. And preliminary vision happens when people listen to each other carefully, listen with a sense of fairness, uh, listen with a sense of what are the needs and concerns of each person And how might I take care of the other's concerns? Remember, abundance thinking says it's not them or me, it's them and me. So that's preliminary vision. In situations where the conflict is not too white hot. You can sometimes resolve it at that place where someone makes a suggestion. It
0: sounds like, as you said, you can get resolution, but I was thinking it also sounds like the beginning of the real engagement into that collaborative process.
1: You're absolutely right, because the big mistake that people make is conflict in their mind is so messy, in part because they don't have a good mental model to follow. It's just a bunch of messiness. And if you're coming at it as a battle, something to win or lose, it makes it even messier. That being said, the big mistake that people make is that they want to get away from this so quickly so they just reach an agreement on the surface but they're really not resolved. They've got all this emotional stuff going on and that will come back to bite you. The next piece of engagement is a process called getting current and complete. It's a series of questions, very pointed questions that kind of in many ways force people to go deeper and to actually share what's really on their mind about this situation. And through that collaborative process, what happens is people usually realize that the other person or people were really doing the best they could in a somewhat imperfect world. And a level of kind of shift takes over where anger, resentment, hostility can turn into understanding and compassion.
0: So a lot of movement can happen there.
1: Yeah. A lot of forgiveness can happen. A lot of letting go can happen. And I've seen that so many times where that shift takes place. And then from there, the last element of the completion process is a question, so what's the new era? Where do you want to step into? What do you want this relationship to look like in the future? And that's when people can paint with a broad brush. It's also called an agreement in principle. Because when people come to a broad brush agreement in principle, they kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, the marriage will continue. Oh, my employment will continue. Oh, my membership in this team will continue. My position will continue. They breathe a little sigh of relief. And from there, once they have that broad brush agreement, then they can build a very specific agreement. We're up around 10.30 right now on the clock. One of my models is the agreement model. How do you create a 10-element model for agreement? What is our collaboration going to look like in the future? And when people get agreement over that, then you're back in a place of resolution where you have human alignment, where you have a shared vision, where you have an agreed set of promises that people are going to take care of, where you have a means of resolving conflict in the future, where you have metrics to measure whether or not you hit that vision. Those are, by the way, are all elements in the model for um, agreement. And people, you know, when they first get exposed to the 10 elements of agreements for results, it's like they've discovered sliced bread.
0: (laughs) Right. It's uh, so many new skills and new ways of like looking at how are they going to resolve a problem. As you said, they can work through it for something that maybe have been pending, but now they have tools to move forward with.
1: Right. Now, the thing that I want to point out, which is critical, is that. The last step of the conflict resolution model, which is a detailed agreement, is also the best way to start off a brand new collaboration. It presents so much conflict when you start off with a clear shared vision and agreement for what you're doing together. And although many people have an idea about what collaboration is, They never learned when they were very young. So what goes into a collaborative agreement? What do we need to talk about at the beginning?
0: So starting at the beginning with, this is what we'd want the end to look like and how to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Elements of, here's our shared vision of a new agreement. It's amazing how well people can work together when they have that. The follow-up book to Getting to Resolution is a book I wrote called The Book of Agreement, 10 Essential Elements for Getting the Results You Want. And in it, I have about 35 sample agreements that I prepared over time in many different contexts because this is something that just crosses all aspects of a personal and professional life.
0: So someone can get that book and go to a certain section and find something on how an agreement would look for maybe a problem that they're dealing with.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that, was
0: a- that sounds like a great resource.
1: <laughs> that, was, that was my intention. And it's interesting. Part of that comes from my legal background of all of these form books that lawyers use. And most lawyers' agreements are what I call agreements for protection. What if this goes wrong and what if that goes wrong? And I turn that upside down and say, well, let's have agreements for results. Let's focus on what do we want to do together and how we're going to maximize our chances of getting there.
0: Yeah, what a great turn on things to have it forced that way rather than worrying about all the things that could go wrong and protecting yourself from that. Yeah, exactly. So, Stuart, do you have a story that you could tell us about a situation that just on the surface looked destined for a big legal fight and how helping the people apply the principles, help them find the
1: resolution? Two stories come to mind. One is, and I Tell this one anonymously. I was recently working with two different teams, part of a department of a state government and the state government was introducing a new piece of software and there was a battling going on between these teams and they just couldn't seem to work together, deadlines were approaching. The investment on the, on the part of the state government was very, very, <laughs> very significant. And these guys were right at the cornerstone of where collaboration was needed, and they were at war for a number of reasons. I was able to go in, educate, facilitate, and come up with a, a new operating agreement going forward in that work. The second story has got a lot more oh, human interest. And this one I can't talk about because it's been written up publicly. I was contacted by a nonprofit adoption agency whose mission was to take kids that are considered unadoptable and provide the necessary resources to get them up to speed, be they mental, physical, emotional. And they were involved in a federally funded partnership with the County of Sacramento. Um, the adoption agency is called Sierra Kids. And it would seem like a natural partnership. I had marriage and family counselors on both sides. And it would seem a great partnership where the state child welfare agency would supply these kids that they had deemed unadopted because they didn't have the resources. The adoption agency would both provide the resources to get the kids up to speed and then place them in permanent adoptive families. Now, setting up the context, what's also true is that kids that are emancipated, meaning they are 18 or 19 depending upon the state, and they don't have a permanent adoptive family, but they're still in foster care, Within two years, 50% of those kids are drug addicts, homeless, dead, or in jail.
0: Yes, yeah, horrible, horrible statistics for these kids, yeah, what they face in life.
1: Right. So you'd think that naturally these folks would be able to work together. Nope, they couldn't. And what we dug up was that about 10 years before, The private adoption agency had disclosed some information about some kids to the media that the county people thought was a a violation of law, and they felt that they couldn't be trusted, and so we can't work with those people. It was the mindset of the county people about the adoption agency, even though none of those people were no longer around or present.
0: Right, 10 years, and they've been holding on to that grudge that we can't trust them
1: we were able to get to the bottom of what was going on i did some teaching i did some facilitating and we put a new agreement in place in terms of how they would operate and in the first year following the intervention 109 kids were placed in permanent adopted homes
0: that's a wonderful story you know and it also goes to show that there's a lot of things that get passed down in companies about the culture of who as you said who can interact with who and who can trust who from one company to the next looking at it from a fresh perspective can really as you just showed with all these kids that got adopted change can happen resolution can happen and people just Sometimes just need to be open to that and look at things from that, have that shift in their mindset, as you were talking about, to change their perspective and build that resolution in collaboration with each other.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You use the word culture. You know, a lot of people want to have a culture change initiative, want to change the culture in an organization. And this work has a direct application to that. And the way it is, is the following explanation, um, the following piece of logic. So, what does culture reflect? Culture of an organization reflects the relationships that are the organization, you know, people working together. It's not the bricks and mortar, it's, it's the way people engage, interface, and work with each other. I.e., at four in the morning, you don't really have a hotel the hotel is the sum and substance of the relationships among the staff, between the staff and guests. So, culture is reflected in relationships, great. What are relationships a function of? Relationships are a function of the spoken and unspoken agreements between people about how they will work together and treat each other. I say spoken and unspoken, explicit and implicit. And I also say that if you want to change a culture, make your agreements much more explicit and it'll have a huge impact on the culture.
0: That would make sense. You have a lot more trust going on if they're explicit. Stuart, this has been so much great information for everybody regarding getting to resolution, as your book is called. Why don't you tell us where people can find you, what kind of services you provide, and the books that you have that they can order?
1: Sure. My website is resolutionworks.com, resolution, singular, works, plural, dot com. You'll find my books there. You'll find some videos there. You'll find some information about the work that's there. I work with couples. As a matter of fact, I just formed a new affiliation with an organization called WeVorce. WeVorce. <laughs> WeVorce.com, how is it that you can do conscious divorce? It's interesting. I was selected to be one of their providers and I come to find that my books are some of their source material for the philosophy and process and technology that they've put together for helping people move through divorce in a a conscious fashion.
0: Certainly makes sense that that would fit.
1: Yeah. You'll find uh, the list of services for various kinds of organizations. And really, most any situation involving conflict or collaboration in most any size organization or government entity, my work um, has applicability.
0: So companies can hire you, individuals or now even couples can hire you to help them.
1: Yes. Exactly. And the books are Getting to Resolution, Turning Conflict into Collaboration. The Book of Agreement, 10 Essential Elements for Getting the Results You Want. A book called Collaboration 2.0 that I co-wrote with David Coleman, who's an expert in technology and it's about how all of us are working virtually today and how we need to do it in a more effective way. Those are available uh, through my website.
0: If you want to find out more about Stuart's work or even hire him for a speaking engagement, you can find him at resolutionworks.com. He's in the Alameda area of Northern California and you can reach him by calling his office at 510-777-1166. I want to thank Stuart for sharing his skills with us today. And as always, I want to thank Dr. B for my audio engineering and BennettSullivanMusic.com for my theme music. In upcoming weeks, we've got experts in health and wellness, getting help for emotional struggles, and of course, a fantastic resource for our veterans. If you're listening on a platform other than my website, I want to encourage you to also check out my blog post on today's episode at coachingthroughchaos.com slash blog. The blog can be fun to go through as we're putting together all sorts of information for you on so many subjects, so please check it out. If you want to follow me between episodes, you can sign up for my mailing list at coachingthroughchaos.com slash podcast. And remember, when you do that, you'll get a free copy of my ebook. You can also find me on Twitter at Dr. Colleen Mullen, and I'd love to hear from you there. And you can find me on Facebook at Coaching Through Chaos. I do hope you're having a great week. And if you've got chaos in your life, I hope you're finding your way through it. Take care.